0: Hey there! This is the Evolutions Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We hope that our message makes your week a bit more
1: awesome. See you in church!
2: My sermon seen. for those of you that are not here, I heard that it, it really helped a lot of people. So I want to encourage you, you know, get hold of that sermon because today is going to be a little bit of a part two, a jump off from that sermon uh, yesterday, okay? So yesterday in my sermon, I talked to you about how God is a God who sees us, who knows us and wants us to experience more. And I, I share with you how instinctually, right, human beings have this innate nature in us that we want to be seen. You know, we want to be seen on Instagram. We want to be seen when we walk into the room. We want to be seen when we come home, you know, and our parents are preoccupied. We start, we want to be seen. You know, of all the animals and creatures on the face of this earth, I have noticed that none of them are like human beings where we are so meticulous in wanting to document ourselves. You know what I'm talking about from the cave drawings long time ago in the caveman era to the paintings, you know, when there wasn't film and video and then photographs and film and then now social media. We, we are a species that's obsessed with wanting to be seen. And I share with you that I think it's because being seen is proof that we existed, proof that we were here on this earth, proof that maybe we mattered to somebody in this lifetime. So obviously, when I say the title scene, I'm not talking about merely being looked at with physical eyes, right? I'm talking about something deeper. Human beings, we all have this deep longing to be seen and to be known. You can all relate to what I'm saying here this afternoon, yes? (laughs) To have your family around you see you. To have your friends around you know you and understand you without you having to say everything that's on your heart. You know, to be truly and deeply understood inside out who you really are and sometimes more than you think you are. You want someone to think that way about you. Amen? The longings, the hopes, the dreams that you have on the inside, sometimes the pain that you're hiding on the inside. You know, if you would stop today and remember a time in your life when someone saw you, you know, I bet you could recount every single incident in your lifetime. Because it was something that made you feel known. It's something that made you feel important. It's something that made you feel like, wow, there's a reason why I'm here on this earth and it matters how I live my life. You see, it's natural because that is the way God has designed human beings, you and me. But I also shared with you at the end of the sermon yesterday that there's one more thing that God has placed into every single human being, right? And that is the need to experience something more. You see, the, the need to, to make a difference, the need to be significant, the need to, to live a life that's a little bit extraordinary. You know, we don't have to be Facebook or Bill Gates extraordinary, but we would like to know we're a little bit more than just ordinary. Amen? Amen. And so I ended off with this song, the lyrics of Beyonce's song from 2012 uh, called I Was Here. And she sang this at the United Nations World Humanitarian Day. And and I, I I read it out because I think it sums up the longing of every human being. And I thought it would be a good jumping off point for my sermon more today. Is that all right? So is it all right if we just spend four minutes to watch this video? Okay, one, two, three, let's roll the video.
1: On the sand of time No, there was something that Meant something that I left behind When I leave this world I'll leave no regrets Leave something to remember So they won't forget I was here I did. great video? Yeah. Ooh.
2: So today the title of my sermon is More. Everyone say more. And I want to talk about how Jesus has more for every single one of us. Now when I was 14 years old, I had a teacher, a teacher of mine, ask me and my friends what our dreams for the future were. And my friend was a very sanguine personality So she immediately, you know, had something to say And she had a whole answer planned out for my teacher You know, she went, do well for the O-levels Get into this particular JC Because I heard it's really fun and the uniform looks cool And I think I'm good at science and math, So something like that in university Then get a job, make a lot of money Get a big house, a nice car And maybe have a family now, coming from the school that I was in, which, is what, which was one of the top 10 schools in Singapore, you know, that should have been my dream as well. But, you know, I was always a little bit of a precocious philosopher-type kid, so it wasn't my dream. You know, I came from an above-average family. We weren't filthy rich or even rich by any means, and certainly not crazy Asian rich. But we were definitely above-average, my dad was a department head at RJC, so that was the JC I was supposed to go to, right? My mom was an administrative manager and they were really successful people. And so growing up, me and my brother never had one for anything. We lived on landed property, we owned a BMW, we went on holidays to the US, to Australia. You know, me and my brother went to great schools, But, you know, the thing is, having all these things growing up, which were really nice, it also made me understand from a very young age that these things don't necessarily make you happy. Because I had these things, experienced these things, but somehow on the inside, I did not feel fulfilled. And I often went, what's the point of life? What's the meaning of studying? You know, I would see my parents work so hard. Sometimes my mom would come back late. And, and, and they would work so hard to get these things. And then I went, and then what? You know, so when my teacher asked me as a 14-year-old, hey, what's your dream? I said, to die when I'm 18 years old. What? She was pretty freaked out. Because she was a really young teacher just, you know, in the middle of her NIE internship. And she's like, oh no, I've got a suicidal key on my hands. Now, now let me calm this story down a little bit, okay? Now, did I have suicidal thoughts as a teenager? Yes. But nothing that was particularly concerning, okay? It was more existential, I was more existential suicidal than actual suicidal. So, you see, my family also came, this is pretty funny, we came from a very legalistic church background, Okay. And so when I was seven years old, a lady, an old lady at church told me with extreme seriousness, suicide is a sin. It is the same as committing murder except that you are murdering yourself. And if you murder yourself, you are breaking one of the Ten Commandments of God and you will go to hell. I mean, what a thing to say to a seven-year-old, you know. I mean, save it for when I'm 17 or something. So at 14, I didn't really want to live but I also didn't want to go to hell for eternity even more. So, semi-jokingly, I said, I told my teacher, the best thing to happen would be if I die when I'm 18, like in something really quick, like a car accident or something like that, and immediate death. And, I, you know, and my and logic to her was this. I said, you know, by 18, I would have experienced everything that is worth experiencing in life. And if I die when I'm 18, I joked if I say I'll die still looking young and beautiful and skinny instead of old and ugly. <laughs> actually, when I think back, I just want to cringe at who I was when I was 14 years old. And I remember my teacher looking at me, and she happened to be actually a very on fire young Christian. And she replied, but God has so much more for you. And I replied, really? It doesn't feel like it. You know, I wonder how many of you have ever felt the way that I felt as a 14-year-old. You know, you don't have to be suicidal, but maybe you thought to yourself, life is so mundane and so pointless. You know, why on earth, am I in the job that I am, the school that I am? Why on earth am I doing what I'm doing day after day after day? You know, maybe you've even felt sitting here today that, that you don't matter that much. You know, my family loves me, Pastor But I'm not really sure I matter in some big and significant way You know, actually, if I die They'll be sad for a while Like every human being gets sad when they lose someone they love But you know what, they'll get over it And then after that, they'll have one less person to give allowance to I'm sure parents have taught that at some point of time in their life (sighs) So, 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 you know, you thought to yourself I'm too ordinary to make a difference You know, maybe you go on on Facebook and Instagram and every day you post something to make it look like you are doing great and having fun because that's what people do, right? Now, sometimes you are genuinely really having fun. Sometimes when I post something, I'm really having fun. But a lot of the time, I have noticed, you know, enough times when I'm on Instagram and Facebook that we're actually really anxious, We're trying to edit our photo, put the right filter, go through the posts to make your life seem better, edit the grammar, you know, to make it seem better than you are actually feeling in that moment. And every time you see someone else's pictures, you think, my life isn't as good, I'm not as extraordinary, I'm not having as much fun, and maybe you've been thinking, you know what? You started to think maybe you're 17, 18 or you're 20 years old and maybe finally, you know, all the the hormones have calmed down and you're starting to think, you know, maybe I should just stop wanting more. Maybe it's not realistic. Maybe I need to be more content, more simple, more ordinary. But deep down inside, you know and I know all the young adults here, no matter how hard you try, there's this still tiny little voice at the back of your mind and your heart that longs for something more. You know, and friend, can I encourage you today? You don't have to push that tiny voice away because that is the real you. That is the true human being that the Bible teaches me. God made you to be. You are special and you are destined for something more. Turn the neighbor and tell them right now, you are destined for something more. You know, tell them, you know, you are made by God for something more. So let's go to the Bible today, and I want to share with you another story. Yesterday, we talked about Nathaniel. Today, I want to talk about another great disciple, and his name is Peter. And his story is really awesome because it's also a story that's about you and me, okay? So Luke chapter 5, verse 1 to 11, it says there, One day Jesus was standing beside Lake Gennesaret when the crowd pressed in around him to hear God's word. Jesus saw two boats sitting by the lake. And the fishermen had gone ashore and were washing their nets. Jesus boarded one of the boats, the one that belonged to Peter. Then asked Peter, row out a little distance from the shore. And Jesus sat down and taught the crowds from the boats. Verse 4, when he finished speaking to the crowds, he turned to Peter and said, row out further into the deep water and drop your nets down for a catch. Peter replied, Master, we worked hard all night last night, caught nothing. But if you say so, I'll drop the nets. So they dropped the nets and their catch was so huge that the nets were splitting. And they had the signal for their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they filled both boats so full that they were about to sink. Verse 8, when Peter saw the catch, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Leave me, Lord, for I am a sinner. And Peter and those with him were overcome by amazement because of the number of fish they caught. James and John, Zebedee's sons, were Peter's partners, and they were amazed too. And Jesus said to Peter, Don't be afraid, for from now on, you will be fishing for people. So this is a story of how Peter, Jesus is the leader of Jesus' apostles, was called by Jesus to follow him. So if you don't know, Peter was one of the top 12 disciples of Jesus, the famous 12, okay? And actually the most famous one in the group because after this encounter with Jesus that we just read, this lowly, uneducated fisherman went on to become the head of the Christian church after Jesus resurrected. And I just want to emphasize what a crazy rise to success this guy had, okay? Because today, 2,000 years later, in Rome, Italy stands St. Peter's Basilica, the headquarters of the Catholic Church, where every year millions of Catholics go to worship God in a, in a, in a basilica dedicated to St. Peter. You see, Peter today is a hero to many Christians, not just because he was the leader of the 12, but because his story is so compelling to us. His story is about how when Jesus steps into our lives, a person who thought he was ordinary can become something more. And that is why many of us follow Jesus today. We don't follow Jesus because we're scared of going to hell. I mean, in fact, if you ask any of us, you know, right here, right now, we hardly think about hell on any given day. Ever. Are you here with me? We follow Christ because He sees us, He knows us, and because He's given us something more. He's taken our ordinary, mundane, sometimes superficial, anxious lives and given us this extraordinary, exciting life that matters. That is why we follow Jesus Christ. So let's delve into this passage and break it down a little bit, all right? So the first part says, one day Jesus was standing beside a lake called Gennesaret and the crowd was pressing in on Him to hear God's Word. Thousands of them crowding the beach trying to get to Him. Now while they were doing that, in this whole mess, Jesus notices two boats by the side of the lake. Fishermen who had gone ashore and were washing their nets. And he decides to board one of the boats The one that belongs to Peter And ask him to put out from the shore So that he can teach the crowds from there So again, here's what's going on, okay Crowds and multitudes of people Had come to be healed by Jesus To experience a miracle To hear this famous Jesus, Son of God Preach God's word to them So it was chaotic, it was messy They didn't have some organized auditorium Along the beach like us or ushers to help sort out our seating. Are you here with me? You know, the best you can imagine in Singapore is like if BTS showed up at Changi Airport. Right? So while this craziness is going on, Peter and some of his friends arrive. They've been out fishing the night before and were pulling up onto the shore and starting to clean out their nets. Now, we don't know exactly what Peter was going through At that point in his life But he wasn't in a good place Because listen, he was a Jew And when you know the Savior The Messiah is coming to your town Most Jews would rush at the opportunity to meet Christ Maybe he didn't get the publicity flyer But even if he didn't get the invite There is a multitude at the beach that day any normal person would at least capo, am I correct? Yeah. But Peter doesn't even bother. Peter chooses to keep on washing his nets. And yet, despite his attitude, despite his indifference, despite his lack of interest, Jesus surprises him by walking up to him and asking to board his boat. His tiny little two-man fishy-smelling, imagine with me, right? The Bible comes alive when you imagine, make it 4D, Okay. His fishy-smelling, tiny two-man boat. Jesus comes and says, hey, hey, Peter, help me out here. Take me a little away from the shore so that I can get some space from the crowds. They're all trying to clamor and get to me. I want to teach them from your little fishing boat and make it my stage. Wow. Can I tell you, even though I'm not a BTS fan, heck, I don't even know who BTS is. But if BTS were at Changi Airport And I was parked outside And they said I need your car as shelter from the crowd I will open my car to them (laughs) And take a selfie with this band That I do not know And post it on Instagram Right? So that's what happened to Peter He was stunned He was surprised And honoured Even though he wasn't interested And immediately he says yes And he rolls out the boat His little boat Onto the water with Jesus, the great Son of God in there with him. And his journey to more starts. So here's my first point for you today. To Jesus, you are more than just a face in the crowd. You know, Jesus could have occupied, preoccupied himself with any number of persons in the crowd that day, the ones who actually wanted to meet him. But no, he looks across the beach, maybe even through the throngs of people and and and, and like in the distance and, and he sees a fisherman who can't be bothered with him but looks like he needs someone to encourage him, to believe in him. And so even though Peter wasn't searching and the crowds were everywhere and he was like, whatever. And you know, there were so many people screaming Jesus' name but in the midst of all that, Jesus picks him out goes to him, chooses him, and says, I want to get into your boat. You know, if you were to survey Christians here in our church, most of us would tell you we were not searching for God when we first came to church. In fact, when our friends invited us, you know new friends here, I can understand how you feel. We were like, oh my God, I got to say yes. You know, he's my friend, he's so nice, she's my friend, she helped me that one time at work. It's Christmas They are Christians Singapore is supposed to be About religious harmony So okay 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 I'll come <laughs> But then For whatever reason Jesus unexpectedly Steps into our boat Into our lives Into our world And we started to follow him And here we are today So here we have You know In our church A young man named Gareth Okay Who's currently in NS How do you know? Where's Gareth? Is he here today? Yes, no army on Christmas Eve. (sighs) So Gareth is currently in NS, but he came to church when he was in poly year one. Now, he is a very different man from the youth I met three years ago. Now, before coming to church, right, Gareth describes himself as someone who was just living from day to day to day. In fact, the only thing he looked forward to every day was going home from school to watch YouTube videos. You see, like Jane, Gareth was a more introverted kind of guy. He was quiet and personally not so confident. And so and then on top of that, in school, he found it hard to find friends who connected with him in the same interests. He said, you know, all my classmates like to play computer games, but I'm not really into that. And so by the time he was 17 and he came to our church, he was feeling like life was just so boring. And because he's phlegmatic by personality he didn't spiral into some suicidal existential crisis he just went this is life (laughs) i'm just gonna (laughs) i'm just gonna watch youtube videos to make life pass faster so that one day i can be over and done with it all but in poly year one he came for a running man event in our church and for the first time he said he felt he met people that made it easier for him to open up and to feel connected And so because of that, that year in Christmas, he came for Christmas service and he felt the presence of God. He gave his heart to Jesus Christ. So awesome, right? But the real change, here's the thing, the real change happens later. The real change started to happen when he started to build his relationship with Jesus Christ. God begin to minister to him, speak to him about his confidence. You know, God would tell him, hey, there's more to your life than this. There are gifts on the inside of you that matter. You know, who you are can make a difference. And in the last few years, guess what? Gareth has really risen up in our church. He's become this amazingly sweet guy with an awesome smile. He used to never smile. (laughs) who looks out for people in his connect group, who takes care of new friends that are joining us in church. He is also an usher leader in our church experience team. And one of the things he said recently that he loves is he loves helping youth in church who are not so confident to become confident people. Let's give him a big round of applause. You know, he's one of those people, when I look at him today, I go, go, wow, if you don't believe God exists, you got to look at this guy and you will know God exists. Because it's such a drastic change. It's like he's blossomed into this amazing young man with great character, with, with, with a great spirit that people love to be around. You see, it's amazing because Jesus has known him. Jesus has come into his life. Jesus made him feel like he's more than just a face in the crowd, and today he's making a difference. You see, I want you to know, once again, listen to Jesus, you are more than just a face in the crowd. You know, for for all of us here, it can sometimes feel that we're just a face in the crowd. You don't have to be introverted like the two people that we talked about. You could be really loud and popular and still feel like a face in the crowd. In fact, you know, sometimes I find that loud people, they are loud because they are afraid if they stop being loud that they will stop mattering and become just a face in the crowd. You know, or maybe today you're a successful young adult, a successful you, going to a great school, have a great job, and yet there are moments where you feel like something is a little bit off. You know, chasing that usual Singaporean dream, good grades, good school, good degree, good job, good life, It should be making me happy, but it's not. A certain mundaneness has set in. You know, for some of us, the mundane has made you despair. Is that all there is to this life? For some of you here, the mundane has made you jaded. I don't know which is worse. You know, where we can't even be bothered anymore to look for more in life. You know, you tell me, hey, pastor, it's okay. Netflix and PUBG is enough to fill my life. For some of us, the mundane has made us worldly. You started chasing after whatever you think your friends are chasing after. You don't really have a dream for yourself. You have a dream to pursue whatever makes you seem cool and accepted at the moment. And it's really ironic when you do that because it's exactly those things that you use to try to make yourself look cool that makes you just another face in the crowd. So can I just say, no matter where you are in your journey, no matter how, what personality you are and how you're responding to life, whether you're doing well or doing badly, whether you are here, you know, in this point in time in your life, by circumstance or by choice, at no point in your human life are you ever just a face to God. He wants to step into your boat and help you find what you are really missing. So can I go on? So Peter's story continues as follows. He says, "When, when, verse 4, when he had finished speaking to the crowds, Jesus had finished talking, he said to Peter, roll out, Father, into the deep water and drop your nets for a catch. Peter replied, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but because if you say so, you know, hey, I will drop the net. So they dropped the nets and the catch was so huge that the nets were splitting. That they had a signal for the partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they filled both boats, and they were so full they were about to sink. So, in the search for more for your life, I want you to know Jesus doesn't just come and step into your heart, say some encouraging things I love you, I believe in you, you're awesome, and then okay, I'm done, bye, see you, have a nice day. No, Jesus doesn't stop there, He always goes on to help us be more successful. Than we were before we met him I don't care how successful you are He can make you even more successful You know, sometimes people have this Misconception about Christianity That only the poor and the desperate look for God That hey, you know Or or, or worse, some people have this mentality If I become a Christian, I have to give up my success And become this poor monk Or nun There is no success in this world No, listen, that is not What the Bible is about no, listen, everyone needs Jesus whether you are successful or not successful. Everyone needs a relationship with their Creator and everyone needs a little bit of help in their lives. Even if you are already very successful. You know, and, and you know, quite frankly, can I just say this? You know, Christians were very nice people, but actually when you think about it, it's a little bit insulting when someone says to us that only the desperate need Jesus. Because, hey, a lot of us here were successful in our own right before we came Christians. But we recognize that no matter how successful we are, with Jesus, we're capable of more. So let me show you about another guy in our church, and his name is Jingxiang. Everyone give Jingxiang a big round of applause. So Xiang is 25 years old this year, and he is literally, not figuratively, the smartest guy in our church. And, and I mean literally he was born with an extremely high IQ By 13 years old In 13 years old he was admitted to a special special program in NUS High Which gave him without O-levels or A-levels Direct entry into a degree program, program in NUS He was also ranked number 11 in the Math Olympics So, he came to us, however, when he was 19 years old. And again, smarter than all of us. Already at 19, more successful than all of us. But yet, he felt something was wrong with his life. And and, you know, it's very funny. You know, you think mathematicians are just all numbers, but he's quite existential. So, you know, he's like, there's something wrong with the universe and the world that we are in. Because when he looked at people in his school, his friends around him, and how they were only concerned with getting ahead of each other, and how he could be around so many people and yet feel so disconnected from life and from them, he began to think something is wrong with the universe. So he couldn't do anything about it because who can change the universe, right? But he, he decided before he came to church, okay, fine, then I'm just going to set myself on a goal and that is I will become a math professor because I'm good at math and that will be my life. But Xing came to church and he invited Jesus into his life. And when it happened, his focus began to change drastically. The trajectory of his life began to change drastically. Firstly, he began to encounter God for himself. And so every time he would pray, he would experience Jesus in the railway. And and this is one of the most fascinating because I asked him, you know, how do you know it's God? And, and one day he told me, this, he said, you know, my brain is like there are multiple MRT tracks going at the same time. This idea, and this idea, and this problem, and this thing is all going at the same time. But whenever I pray, it quietens. And my mind stops. And I'm clear. And that's how I know there is God inside my brain. So God began to touch him in that way. And then God began to speak to him. To show him that he didn't just have a gift for math, but a gift for teaching and helping others. And so he started to tutor youth in church and not just tutor them, but he started to work on their confidence as well. And as he started to see young people in our church, doors open for them because they were getting the help they need academically and doors, you know, and and chances that they needed to get ahead in life. You know what? He started to feel a sense of completeness about himself that he had never known from solving a math problem. Now, fast forward to today, six years later, Tinh Siang is the head of our academic excellence program in church, and he has helped so many young people that you are sitting next to achieve their dreams. He just graduated with a master's in math, but is about to start work in a multi-million dollar non-profit creating real estate development and family care and education centers in Vietnam. This guy thought that all he had in him was to be a math professor. But today, God is using him to impact so many lives. So again, what is my second point? Listen, with Jesus, you are capable of more. You see, here's Peter. The Bible says, when Jesus finished speaking across, he said to him, hey, row out further into the deep water and drop your nets for a catch. You see, the Bible also says he had already done that night before. He had dropped the nets and cast, you know, caught nothing all night. Now, I don't think that means he was a bad fisherman, okay? It was probably just a bad day. And, and the Bible kind of says he had partners. which was a very strange word to use in, 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 the, in the Bible. But it's possible that this guy actually had a little tiny business going on. Okay? But one bad night, no fish, all night. So, so understand this, as successful as any of us are here, we will all have bad days at some point. Or, or maybe right now, at work, you have reached a plateau in how far your dreams are progressing. But listen, when Jesus steps into your boat, He makes you capable of more. So the Bible tells us, Jesus didn't just get into Peter's boat to make him feel seen and valued and say a few encouraging words. No, He says to Peter, roll out further into the deep water. Peter, 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 listen to me. Go further than you have ever gone. Go deeper with your dreams. Peter, even though last night was a bad day, let down your net again. You see, that's what Jesus really does in our lives. That's how he makes us capable of more. He steps in, then he works together with us. He says, hey, you can do this. Come on, roll out a little further. Dig a little deeper with your gifts and your talents. Hey, you failed once. Hey, everyone fails. Let's try again. And what happens? Peter catches a haul so huge that the Bible says, the Bible says, so huge that the nets were splitting. So huge that they called another boat to come and help them. So huge that both boats were about to sink. I love that picture. You know, it isn't just a picture of a lot of fish, but it's a metaphor of what life is like with Jesus. That we are capable of something that will burst our previous dreams. That will sink whatever limitations you put on yourself. Your little two-man fishing boat. Whatever boxes you crammed yourself into. You know, I'm a math guy. The biggest boat I can ever have is to be a math professor. I'm an Anderson secondary school girl. The best I can do is go to a top JC uni and get a high-paying job. But when Jesus steps in, He splits that net. Your boat starts to sink. You don't drown. The boat doesn't sink all the way. They managed to make it to shore. just starts to sink a little bit. Not to destroy your talents or your dreams, but to show you that you can have even more than you are capable of. And that is why If you have ever thought that Christianity is just another religion where you come and pray for blessings that that and then see, maybe, maybe not. God will bless you. You got it all wrong. The greatest miracle of Christianity, you know, are not the miracles of money appearing in our bank account or one moment of healing in our life or good grades or tests. No. They are when Jesus gets into your life and with Him you become capable of more. So friend today, I want you to know that none of us here are different. With Jesus, you can become capable of more. But for that to happen, you cannot just pray once in a while or come to church a few times a year. No, Jesus has to be with you in your boat. The whole time. Not just some of the time. Because it's only with him that we become capable of more. Come on, will you say with me, with Jesus, you are capable of more. Third point, ready? Yeah. So, so it goes on the same verse 8. When Peter saw the catch, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Leave me, Lord, for I am a sinner. Peter and those with him were overcome with amazement because of the number of fish they had caught. James, John, Zebedee's sons were, were, was, were Peter's partners and they were amazed too. And so Jesus said to Peter, Don't be afraid, from now on you will be fishing for people. So last point, are you ready? Now in Jesus. You are destined for more. So the Bible tells us when the catch came in as a seasoned fisherman with three other seasoned fishermen, Peter went, This is impossible. Th- this can't happen, it's not possible. He did all his math projections of the Prophet Margin, it was not possible. The supernatural had just happened to him, and he was so overcome by what he saw. So overcome by conviction that Jesus was really the Son of God, that He immediately drops to His knees and gives His life to follow Christ. Now listen, here's the thing. Before this moment, everything that happened was initiated by Jesus. Jesus made the first move to get into His boat, to show Peter that He was more than just a face in the crowd. Jesus initiated telling him, Hey, go a little farther, go a little deeper, now let down your net. And there was a miracle. But now, Peter does something that changes the course of his life and future. He initiates giving his heart to Christ. He falls to his knees and says, I'm a sinner and you are God. And because of that, Jesus then releases him into his destiny. He says to Peter, don't be afraid because from now on, this moment on, the moment that you gave your heart to me, you will be fishing for people. Peter, from now onwards, you are going to be more than a fisherman. You are going to fish for people. And that is how Peter became St. Peter, leader of the apostles and head of the Christian faith. A man who went on to save tens and thousands of souls in his lifetime, plant tons of churches. From a face in the crowd, he became more. You see, with Jesus, he became more. In Jesus, submitted to him, following him, he became more. So friend, I want you to know, in Jesus, you are destined for more. I mean, does that sound good? So as I was preparing today, I I have this feeling as I was praying that there, there are two groups of people here with us. One is, many of you here are feeling empty about your life. I don't mean necessarily that you are depressed or desperate, but if you are, that's okay. You know, I don't mean that you have to be 24 hours a day anxious, but I suspect that many of you have been feeling a kind of low-grade anxiety about your life, consistently, regularly. You know, some of you are really even very smart and successful people here, but you feel like there's some sort of a hole and something is not quite right about your trajectory. And I want to tell you, you know what? You are right. You're not wrong. Because God, when He made you, destined you for more. He always has. When He created you, when He made you, He made you of an innate need for something more. He created you to be special and unique and important and to matter. And until you live into mattering, you are always going to feel the shadow of the mundane hanging over you. So that's one of you the and there's another group here this this afternoon. I think you might have gone to church at some point in your life. Maybe even received Jesus, or met Jesus briefly at some point of time in your life. Maybe you even had a supernatural encounter where you felt the presence of God and you knew He was here, where He unexpectedly stepped into your boat, but you never let your relationship with Jesus go farther and go deeper. Yeah. Maybe Jesus stepped in, but then you stepped away. Maybe the Christians who were with you didn't tell you that there is more. They told you, okay, it's just come to church every Sunday, pray when you can, do your Bible reading plan. And he didn't tell you, she didn't tell you that there was something more. Hey, maybe they didn't experience anything more in their life. But I'm here to say, if today you will let Jesus lead you out further, take you a little deeper, let him tell you to put down your nets again in life. Listen, your experience of Christianity and of Jesus is going to be vastly different. You will experience what it means when Christians say there is something more. That you will experience what it means to feel like in life you are capable of more. And if you will finally submit your heart to Him and not just make Him your saviour so you have some sort of guarantee to get into heaven, but that you will make Him the actual Lord of your life, then He will show you your destiny. So I like to say Christianity is kind of like the digging of a well. You know, when people think about digging a well, they always focus on the getting of water, right? But do you know, in order to get water out of a new well, you first have to actually pump water in You cannot begin to draw out anything out of that well that you dug until you first put something in. So here's the thing, a lot of people approach God this way. They want God to take all the initiative. When it comes to them having more, everyone wants more, right? If if you don't, I'm not sure you're a human being. (laughs) But we want God to take all the initiative when it comes to having more. So... God loves us and He is gracious so He always takes the first step. He picks us out from the crowd. He steps into our boat and then He builds us up encouraging us to go further and to dig deeper so we can experience some sort of supernatural success. But then so many people stop there. Why? Because all they wanted was a fish. Now listen, the fish is great. But how do you know Peter's fish will last him for a while but not forever? You know, your goal in life, you know, if it's just the fish, if it's just the blessings, if it's just success, you know, the thing that you are praying for, listen, that, that's not it because while your goal is there, listen, Jesus' goal is your destiny. He doesn't just want you to experience more for a little while. He doesn't just want you to experience one little miracle. He wants you to experience a lifetime. He wants you to matter not for a moment but for a destiny. But at some point, you have to be willing to give Him your heart like Peter did. At some point, you have to be willing to bend the knee and say, you are not just Savior, you are Lord. You are not just the God of miracles. You are the God of my life and you are the keeper of my destiny. Because that is what releases you into the greater life that you were made for. So once again, I want to say to everyone here too, Jesus, you are more than just a face in the crowd. With Jesus, you are capable of more. I don't care how successful you are, you are capable of more. And in Jesus, only in Jesus, are you destined for more. Are you here with me? So will you stand (laughs) here?